0: Welcome to Highly Volatile, an unfiltered podcast for real-life professional traders, investors, and top executives. To be the best, you need your thoughts and perspectives challenged by the best. This podcast series features some of the most thought-provoking and disruptive minds in both businesses and investing. My name is Kevin Van Tromp, and I'm joined each podcast by my good friend, legendary trader and angel investor, Andy Daniels. Together, we attempt to challenge the conventional and gain a better understanding of the disruptor. We search high and low for wealth hacks and exciting new investment opportunities, but at the same time, try to uncover hidden pitfalls and unforeseen changes coming our direction that might rock our worlds. We hope you're challenged by our unfiltered thoughts and conversations and enjoy our highly volatile podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin Van Trump with a new episode of the uh, Highly Volatile Podcast with my good friend Andy Daniels, and uh, we got a good friend
1: of ours, Bryce Wells, on the call today. Andy, go ahead turn it over to you, buddy. Great, great, Kevin. Well, um, yeah, as Kevin said, uh, we were joined today by Bryce Wells, and uh, boy, Bryce, I think I've, we go back a little over 30 years. Um, I've known Bryce from, since the time before I got into the ag business. He was a good friend of my brother's, and uh, He's pretty much done it all, from being a grain merchandiser to a operator, owner of uh, elevators, transportation companies, and uh, anything you can think of, Bryce has probably done or seen or has an opinion on. I, I considered Bryce to be one of the most out-of-the-box thinkers I've ever met, and in trying times like this, I thought Bryce would be a great guy to get on the phone and get a little perspective. What he's seeing around the world right now, and... Uh, Bryce, welcome. Glad you could join us today.
2: Thank you, guys. Um, I, I uh, appreciate uh, your reaching out and inviting me to uh, have a nice conversation with you both. Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> it was kind of an icebreaker, no pun intended. Why don't you share with, uh, with our listeners uh, a little bit about your uh, recent um, travels over to Iceland, you know, uh,
2: Iceland's a fantastic and beautiful country, and uh, we got a uh, notion uh, uh, needed to go on a trip somewhere to uh, see the northern lights, and uh, Iceland was uh, right there, and, and so away we went. And this was uh, uh, just in February. Um, and one of the cool things that happened with us, uh, we uh, we went up uh, to a glacier, had a mountaineer uh Guide uh, and had on crampons and our ice axes and so on and and um, uh, but we we flew up to this glacier with a helicopter and landed and got out to uh, study the geology and the and the so on and then it was apparently where a Game of Thrones uh, had been filmed and it was quite interesting and visually stunning. But as we stood there in this incredible quiet, uh, a rumble began and we watched the front of this glacier just calve off a uh, big uh, and i thought it was an avalanche and they said no it's a calving but um uh you know we were pretty close And the uh, when the when the snow stopped and the you know the snow settled so to speak uh, uh we had a boulder about uh, the size of a pickup truck that had stopped about 100 meters from the helicopter and so uh, we continued on our tour, and we harvested a big block of that ice, uh, took it back to town, and they kept telling us this was fantastic ice, you need to keep it and have cocktails. And so we carried it into the hotel bar and said, this is our trophy from the country, and they all gathered around and said, that's absolutely right, and the bartender put it into a uh, – and I've been to save it for us and uh, hammered off a couple chunks of this 4000-year-old ice and I have to say it might have been the best scotch on the rocks I've ever had.
1: <laughs> well, that's doing it in style for sure. Well, I know you've been <laughs> I know you've been uh, uh we've had quite a few conversations lately and uh getting a little better perspective of of, of what you see you know that we we are we've all talked a lot about how the world's changed and what's changing in it um, from an economic standpoint, from a social distancing standpoint, and, and all the kind of uh, uh, consequences and, and, and long-term changes that are we're going through right now that will be with us for a long time in the future. Um, you have some interesting thoughts on that, and I, I was hoping you might be able to share them with us.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Andy. I mean, it strikes me that we're kind of like on the Starship Enterprise and we're going off to world's unknown because this is certainly unprecedented and nobody knows what's up in the future. Um, But I, uh, you know, I'm I'm reminded that uh, Kevin, uh, Andy, uh, myself, uh, we've grown up in trading backgrounds that are uh, dynamic, uh, a lot of change, uh, a lot of disruption, um, and that's been sort of the, uh, the, the nature of the environment that we've grown up in. And, um, quite frequently we can look at these things and embrace that change as opportunity. But there's a whole huge part of the world that, uh, um, operates in a more structured environment with, uh, uh, um, much, much less disruption. And the change um, that we're all experiencing is um, is tough on us in very many different ways and so while we have um, our managers are tasked with the job of serving customers and perpetuating business viability in this very disrupted environment, um, which is a big challenge um, to, to me the job of leaders is to look after the uh, uh, the, the emotional uh, aspect of the workplace, and, and I'm, and that, that's not a unique idea to me. It just, just somebody gifted me with um, a quote from Lao Tse uh, several years ago, and it has stuck with me. And that the most effective leader is the one who can tend to the emotional needs of his followers. And so, as we've all gone through business, we have seen all kinds of leadership training and leadership publications, and there's a whole industry of Leadership uh, education and and so on, but it strikes me that in this environment, all the rule books are kind of thrown out. The the structure and the habits and the uh, conformity of a corporate environment totally disrupted. And um, what we've seen in our uh, workplace is uh, um, at once we had news beginning to emerge. And uh, we got more and more and more, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, in the course of about three days, the whole workplace of our counterparts and peers migrated from their offices to remote work. And uh, then we had to go through this discovery of who's essential workers and who's not, and who will be able to actually continue their functions and who won't, and how do we operate, and immediately there was some exhilaration among our group and it's that yeah let's all do this everybody else is doing this and we're making it happen and people were incredibly innovative in figuring out how to adapt to uh, a new norm thinking that it was going to be a two-week thing and the littlest things like uh, we had a couple employees that were gamers and they knew of a software called discord and they used this discord software as a way to have a uh, Uh, like an audible chat room among their other uh, peers uh, immediately. Well, we only knew about that because we had a couple of gamers. Nobody else knew that. And it was, you know, people just innovating and thinking their way through, how can we make this work a little bit better? But then the exhilaration kind of uh, wears off. We then begin to realize as news evolves that it's not going to be a two-week situation. So we began to prepare for a longer haul. But the things that I saw were changes in our social norms. We, uh, um, in my travels and conversations with people, I didn't hear "good on you" and "cheers" and "have a great day." I heard "be safe" and uh, <clears throat> "stay healthy." And the the twists of fear began to permeate a lot of uh, the way uh, the way we were interacting with each other, and it sort of fanned the flames. We have people um, working from home with information overload on all news channels, and you can't even absorb it fast enough. And and then we have uh, people with savings and retirement designated in the markets with uncertainty of what's going to happen and will there be rebounds. And so they uh, and and how many people don't really understand markets and corrections and things like that, and 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 so the the average person with savings, uh, uh, that they're, they're, they're just in shock. And and uh, I should you know, at least in our group, we've had people in shock. And so we we recognize that um, this, uh, this this disruption and this fear is really beginning to, uh, once we got everybody moved and the excitement of something happening together went away, then we had separation anxiety. And it reminded me of a Cape Buffalo herd I saw on a safari. And there was, uh, <laughs> some lion prides, actually two different prides working the edges of this herd and doing their games to try to pull out uh, a critter and separate it from the rest. And, and as you, uh, you watch the dynamics of these two prides in the buffalo herd function over a couple of hours. When the uh, spatial distance among the herd would get a little bit out of whack as a consequence of these lion's antics, you could see the anxiety through the whole herd um, until they could kind of regroup up and get themselves spatially correct again. And it's kind of like that with our folks that are scattered around out here they we have an environment of fear and it's getting continually reinforced and even our social habits among each other uh uh, one of the things that uh, we have seen is people begin to share their horror stories and that just continues to be more negative things it's a way of connecting and it's a way of bonding with somebody else yeah you, you know i've got misery too and but all those things are just continuing to create um, the, the fear and uncertainty, and, and we've we've got a siege uh, siege mentality going on or developing, and, and uh, so while managers are working on uh, perpetuating business and serving customers, they're under con- tremendous stress, and so as leaders, just really recognizing that uh, what do we do? What are the things that we do to? recreate our herd structure and how do we reconnect everybody in an environment that we've never seen before and never anticipated and how are we helping people deal and cope with the stress of what's going on and those are those are the things that we're running into and um
1: um didn't you uh haven't you in fact bryce uh, recently hired someone to uh help with that um with that process the the, the social networking aspect and I mean that that's not even a new um, a, a new job. It's it's this all pioneered stuff, right? Well,
2: I don't know if it's pioneered. I mean, I, I think uh, for me, uh, what I believe is that uh, for our crowd, for our work community, for our uh, group of uh, stakeholders and employees, uh, I need to create a. Uh, a virtual corporate structure of inclusion and how do we do that? I mean, I'm technology backwards and, uh, it's all I can do to run an iPhone and, and, um, uh, but there are all kinds of things that are out there that we're trying to, uh, identify and adopt with the whole point of how do we build a virtual corporate community of inclusion so that, uh, day in and day out, our folks feel connected and feel each other and recognize, uh, That the company is still with them and uh, uh, they're empowered and uh, they can make their decisions and they can move along. And we've got uh, a different form of structure that support and nurture them. Um, So yes, we hired somebody uh, really to be in charge of uh, communications and with a, with a broad uh, um, uh, definition of what does that really mean? The job is create a virtual corporate community. And to over communicate, and to make things simple, and to help allay the fear. And you know, I think we all know that in the first weeks after we began to dic- have social distancing, every company on the planet issued a letter to their customers. Here's what we're doing, and you can't even read them all. And and uh, but it's great. We got to have communication, but the style of communication that uh, we intend to have now is different. It's um. When we sat down to talk about that, I said this is strictly internal marketing and uh, messaging in simple ways and uh, what are the tools that we need to get and how are we going to go about doing this. That's how we really started it. But, yes,
1: the new hire position. Well, well I mean, um, you know, how, I guess a lot of it has to do with how long we're going to be under siege. And, and, and when we do get back to the new normal, whatever that might be, how do you see all that playing out? In other words, will more people in your organization or organizations overall uh, work from home? Uh, will there be less need for for, for the, the the previous style of, of office congregating? Um, how do you kind of uh, envision that coming to pass and in, 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 in your business, but in others as well?
2: Um. You know I will I would say that we will undoubtedly uh uh come out of this with a new norm. We have a new norm already. I uh, remember a publisher once a uh, friend that, that told me that at uh, in 21 days if you do something repetitively it becomes a habit. And so uh we will be creating habits we don't even know about yet. And um um Right now, I can uh, look out my window and see a neighbor uh, doing a dance routine with another person in front of a video screen. And so, we've all kinds of stuff happening in home environments that we haven't done, but in 21 days, we will have certainly developed new habits. And what does that mean for the future? I'm not sure. If we go back and look at uh, um, the Great Recession we had in 2008-09, we certainly changed buying habits. We changed the way manufacturers built products for price points. So we built uh, uh, all kinds of new attitudes about uh, savings and spendings. And um, um, so we will create new attitudes. Uh, I think the workplace will be more flexible. We will learn and adapt and uh, innovate. Um, uh, Can I understand and forecast what all that's going to be? No, not really. But I think for certain it will be different. And, uh, so one of the things if we're working on trying to connect people um i think we're likely to have technology solutions that uh um we don't even know about yet but um and I, it's hard to forecast because it's so uncertain but without a doubt i believe we will absolutely change
1: the new norm yeah it sure feels that way
2: kevin how are you seeing all that play out in your
0: business <laughs> Well, I mean, we're seeing the same thing like Bryce is saying. I mean, just, you know, everything's different. Canceled uh, events, canceled conferences, and, you know, people are circling the wagons and and trying to come up with new and innovative ways to keep their, you know, people, I guess, you know, somewhat uh, uh, joined as a team. Uh, We're seeing that aspect be somewhat challenging for leaders, you know, now that everyone's scattered. I thought Bryce's analogy of the uh, safari was perfect. I mean, once you spook the herd a little bit and they start to get their spatial awareness and things uh, out of sync or out of whack, I mean, it definitely, uh, it definitely brings on a new environment. So that's what we're looking at uh, even with our investments and even when we talk each day, you and I and uh, the other guys, we're always trying to figure out, you know, what are people's buying habits going to be as they come out of this? How's it going to be different? And I think all of that is, uh, you know, massively important. I saw Disney laid off what, 43,000 workers, uh, are going to, I mean, you know, how are people going to approach the, uh, theme parks? How are they going to approach vacations, uh, cruise ships, just anything and everything, restaurants, bars. I, I don't know. I mean, those, those are big, big questions and I don't think anyone has the real answers because I think it's going to be a lot of human psychology involved. So, you know, math and, uh, two plus two is probably not going to equal four for, for a lot of things. And, I think that's going to be the most difficult part as a trader or an investor is how do you quantify and qualify earnings valuations uh, in a new world? So I'm not sure.
1: And who, who are the winners and who are the losers? Obviously, we just talked to, at at night about uh, you know cruise ships and, and hotels and even casinos. But uh, I'm reminded that you know we, we will come out of this on the other side and, and I don't think we're gonna give up a lot of those kind of uh social interactions and activities, but certainly business travel I think is gonna be affected by this and a lot more uh technology and communications are gonna be done remotely as opposed to uh um in person and, and that's gonna affect travel structures and hotel needs and everything in between. So yeah, it's uh it's certainly something we all need to keep keep our eye on and uh be thinking about, um, Bryce. Do, do you do you uh, have any perspective as to how the ag world is is adapting to this? And, and, and you mentioned uh, being involved in the transportation business. Um, how, how do you see that uh, playing out? You know, these price levels for farmers is uh, pretty pretty discouraging for the most part. Um, don't see a lot of hope here until we kind of get things figured out and you know with the pressure on the uh energy sector and therefore the uh, ethanol sector and therefore corn demand uh all these things are kind of weighing on uh on the overall attitudes and emotions uh of the farm community how do you uh do you have any uh optimism or uh insight on that that perspective
2: well i think uh, uh friends that i have that are uh, producers uh this is uh the annual uh, ritual of getting to the field and doing the work, and that uh, uh, in the short term, that's a task and a responsibility and a job that they uh, can distract themselves with, and they're going to go out and do what they had planned on doing. Right now, the real questions uh, as we uh, change supply chains globally, as we uh, um, as we try to reconcile what's really going on in these economies. At a macro level, how does that impact our our production mix, our planning decisions, all of those things? That's yet to be seen. Um, from from my view, that we, we can uh, um, maybe forecast uh, uh, different changes in uh, the supply and demand uh, aspects of commodity flows that we're accustomed to. Um, and you know, our farm community has done a fabulous job over. Over the uh, decades of adapting, and uh, uh, we have, uh, uh, well, we'll keep them, we'll keep them functioning somehow. It doesn't mean that this uh, this massive, massive change to society doesn't have its disruptions and casualties. Um, I think that, that that's just a, a given. Um, we, we, none of us know. That goes back into the what I'm. Just, my my point about leaders now is how do we help people cope through these uncertainties that none of us have a clue what's going to end up? You know, we've had big unemployment, uh, shifting of jobs. Uh, but what we've seen in the agricultural supply chains are functioning in a very solid way and adjusting to, um, the aberrations and the uh, disruptions that, uh, um, of shipments and movements of, uh, the, the, the supply chain has responded in a, in an exceptional way of continuing to, uh, Keep products flowing and product moving, and, and so, in terms of the pipeline of uh, commodity flows and the rationalization to highest and best use, that seems to be functioning very well from our observations. Um, in terms of the nature of uh, carryovers, balance sheets, uh, supply, uh, supply and demand flows, long term. Um, Economic substitutions and uh, things like that. I I don't know, Andy. I I can just see that uh, we're pretty solidly executing uh, product flows that uh, um, that continue. Look at the change in uh, egg consumption. uh, The nature. Look at the change in dairy consumption. The change in uh, buying habits. That the you know uh, we've got uh, uh, retail, uh, retail and uh, service. Industries uh, really whack, but people are still eating, and so it's huge, huge shifts And what happens long term, and what's, where the, you know, how's that sustained, and how does industry adjust? Um, I, we, we, we've got to figure that out. It's too, too dynamic and too volatile for any economist to have some kind of a rational
1: conclusion. I think. You know, I just on a micro level down here in Florida. You've seen a lot of strawberry producers down here and in Georgia and other areas in the uh, southeast where they they grow a lot of strawberries. Just as an example, there was an interesting news story the other day about how they're literally uh, um, just leaving you know fields, to, uh, leaving crops in the field to rot because with the restaurant shut down, the uh, the, the demand and usage of uh, strawberries is is uh, falling off the cliff. Um, People, you know, when they're eating at home or doing carryout, it's a different dynamic. It's a different menu. And so we're going to see a lot of those kind of things pop up and, you know, for no explained reason, um, change rather dramatically uh, going forward. And uh, uh, you're right. How all these things come together and as we go forward is, is yet to be seen. But uh, stay tuned. There's going to be changes coming.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with that. And, you know, I'm uh, reminded uh, uh, when we first had uh, uh, the tariffs uh, uh, changes going on, we saw supply chain shifts. Uh, we saw some shifting from China to uh, Latin America just as an accommodation to uh, to tariffs. And so um, it, it strikes me that with massive, massive unemployment, a massive uh, loss of some jobs that won't be replaced, that the nature of the workforce and the things that uh, people may be interested in doing or willing to do uh, in lieu of um, some jobs that may not be recreated when it's all over, um, that we we can have massive shifts in uh, our labor groups and um, how they consequently impact supply chains on a macro scale.
1: Well, no doubt. I think we're going to see quite a few industries shift back to the United States. Certainly, uh, uh, mission critical industries like pharmaceutical production and things like that. Um, you know, I think it's just a, it's going to be a natural trend, and certainly a national security trend to see uh, certain manufacturers uh, head back to the U.S. and there are going to be incentives given. Uh, um, Larry Kudlow was talking about that the other day, um, and so you know, I think you're going to. Uh, You'll, you'll see kind of a resurgence of Made in America, I think, uh, back on the shelves again to replace a lot of these different things that are kind of going by the wayside and all the disruption that's occurring. We'll, we'll find a way through it. I'm, I'm, I have confidence.
2: I have confidence. Kevin, what do that, you think? Uh, I, I have massive confidence in people being uh, innovators and adapters, uh, resilient and uh uh, look at the, you know, somebody pointed out to me the other day, uh, Anne Frank, uh, what she had to endure through the uh, uh, living in an attic uh, for the whole duration of World War II, uh, uh, and and, uh, and while I haven't read her books, I'm familiar with it, and um, um, you know, we have adaption stories, and uh, and we will, we will persevere. We just don't know how.
1: Yep, I think that's a fair statement couldn't agree more. No, yeah.
0: hey Andy, my two uh my two cents, and I know what most of the listeners, you know, they, they always like to hear you know, where, where where's the rubber gonna meet the road for uh, us and what what are we doing and where are we pivoting towards and are we making any uh you know real time adjustments or moves and I know we really haven't done a whole lot we've even talked about that the decision make the decision to do nothing is, is as often a, a very good decision and you know i'm for me personally i mean we stuck with our uh costco and walmart bets um uh, through most all of this and scaled back a little bit on the rally i'm still holding some of the uh short hedges uh in the s&p which hey those are obviously uh <laughs> i mean what the hell we bounced 25 percent off the lows and uh I'm sitting here watching it now. Like we talked that 2850 level, the S and P maybe up to 2900. Hell, like you said, maybe we go back to uh 3000. I don't know. It seems like the feds buying everything in sight and uh, you know, how, how, where do you look at for opportunities? I did get long the corn market on that break and uh, I don't know how long I'll stick with it. I, like I said, I felt like we were getting overdone to the downside. I'm still not in any beans. I think you were, you were still with I don't know if you were still holding your beans or not and I think you're still in your rights position I uh you know so I you know I don't, I don't know where are the opportunities I, I know Andy you and I talk we think the municipalities and the states and local governments uh are going to get themselves in a jam and they're going to be upside down here with all the things they have to do uh on the state side of things and the city side of things with COVID and uh we suspect that means they're going to probably try and push and legalize more marijuana and like you know, you're gonna have a casino on every street corner. They're gonna try and figure out ways to generate and uh, raise more revenue. So we, you know, I guess as that fragmentation breaks out, who are gonna be those leaders and how are those choices gonna play out? But are you and Bryce doing anything different with your portfolios? Or are you guys seeing anything different on your end that
1: you're gonna to pivot towards? Or? Boy, you know you can yeah you, uh, you can read uh, so many differing opinions. I mean, you can have economists talking about deflation you can have them talking about the, the weimar um, um republic a uh, hundred years ago almost to the year um when uh you take wheelbarrows full of money to buy a loaf of bread over in germany um because uh you know we're going to lose confidence in the dollar and how the gold market right now represents about 2.7 trillion dollars in and paper investments represent uh over 450 trillion dollars and so you know it's it's less than one percent and um so gold bugs would tell you you know gold can go to thirty thousand dollars an ounce and so if you believe that then you know fiat currencies are are all worthless so you know that's one extreme and, and and the the other flip side of that coin is that um you know all of this is deflationary technology is deflationary that that uh you know we're we're you know, kind of in the midst of a uh, propped-up uh, um, depression, if you will, and that, uh, you know, we're we're going to be needing to find, try to find a way to uh, inflate our way out of this. But, um, you know, physical inflation isn't there. It, it's only paper inflation, and, and that will stay under control. So you can pretty much hear anything you want. Those are the two extremes that I see out there anyway. And, you know, from a trading perspective um, – I'm with you, Kevin. I, I just can't believe that this is a V-bottom and that we're going to go back to business as usual and be making new highs and, and, and this is all in the rearview mirror. I don't think it for a minute. I think we have a lot more economic problems that we're just now starting to scratch the surface of and realize that are out there, um, that uh, the bounce is, is irrational exuberance. It's also, you know, $2 trillion is a lot of stimulation and and that's leading to, you know, uh, this, this rally. Um, but I, uh, you know, when we're seeing gold move a hundred dollars in a day, I mean, that used to be a year, two years worth of a move. So, you know, things are, are, are heating up. I, in some respects, uh, kind of, a, I'm a little bit of a gold bug. So I'm, uh, I've been trading gold only from the long side and, uh, liquidating on rallies and, and trying to buy on breaks. And sometimes I get stuck, uh, holding longer than I would have liked to, but, uh, you have to set your sights on fifty, dollars moves and that kind of a commodity. Um, grains, on the other hand, are, are kind of just waiting for some direction, uh, waiting for a lifeline, waiting for China to get back on track and start uh, fulfilling their uh, phase one obligations. Um, and uh, I think that will happen. Um, but for now, uh, we're kind of treading water. And uh, so I don't have anything real smart I'm doing in grains. I, I am waiting to... I do want to be buying beans again at some point. Um, looking for a little more of a correction to do so. And, uh, I can't argue with your corn move, uh, whether it's just a dead cap ounce or it's something more meaningful. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I still think there's a possibility. You could see a two in front of corn, albeit not for long, just as you won't see crude oil, unless it becomes a supply side issue. We can't, we run out of storage capacity. Uh, below $20 for any length of time. Trump seems to be making some progress on uh, getting things resolved between uh, Saudi Arabia and the Russians and OPEC and cutting production. And that all seems to be going um, accordingly. So, you know, I don't. I think the, we're, we're going to be finding a bottom here fairly shortly uh, uh, for the long haul in uh, crude oil at some point. But, you know, no one's driving, no one's flying. Where's your demand? And so we got to get the society back up and going to get these things clicking again and uh, to get things to start to move up and, and move forward. Bryce, what are you seeing? I don't, I don't have anything more. Well, more I to see, to
2: it. Uh, you know, Andy, I see that uh, we've nearly doubled unemployment in this country in the last uh, couple of weeks, and uh, you know, we're, um, I mean, the big numbers, and uh, they're still rolling in. We're, we're far from being through the. Uh, the foundation of our facts. And, and so, um, and the other thing is, uh, you know, a two trillion plus uh, stimulus is impressive, uh, and that will definitely help. And um, But we've got a world problem, not just a, you know, and, and uh, so what happens in the rest of the world uh, is concerning because uh, I don't know that they have the capability. To help themselves the same way that we're helping ourselves, and um, um, uh,
1: the uh, they don't have the pretty. So what I
2: see, (laughs) you know, what I see is that we have people. uh, um, The the long-term positions are very difficult to figure out. Uh, So trading volatility is is the most. Everybody I know that's out here um, trading things are just. Exploiting volatility is in the short term, as you say, treading water. But there's uh, there's things to clip along the way, um, but the long-term stories are yet to even be determined. I think.
1: Anything in particular that strikes your uh, your fancy that you're, uh, you're you're dabbling in at the moment?
2: Well, it's things that I uh, – look, I'm more familiar with uh, what's going on in the ag world, and I see the macro things, but I'm more familiar with the ag world. Uh, these, uh, So I'm just uh, – I'm staying close to home with uh, the basic ag commodities, uh, meat, uh, meat and grains. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got uh, some things impacting uh, – we had a pretty significant story in hogs uh, coming into uh, – uh, last year with the uh, swine flu, and and uh, now we've got some uh, changes in uh, meat plants being shut down, uh, our meat supply chains, and and so on uh, being disrupted, and so there's there's some things there. I guess the, the uh, uh, cattle and uh, hog complex is uh, interesting to me.
1: Yeah, right, right, and you know, as you said, plants shutting down, and you know, it hasn't started to. Uh, be seen on the grocery shelves, but, uh, you know, if they stay down for much longer, it sure will be.
2: Well, that's right. I think cool. the demand side, I don't know that that's uh, largely impacted, uh, in consumption demand, but what happens, I mean, at the retail level, but if the, uh, if the Packers, uh, can't, uh, can't function uh, steadily, uh, to, uh, to, to take the, uh, the livestock, uh, um, that disrupts, it backs up then.
1: Yeah. And live right. capital
2: prices, live on prices.
1: Well, guys, I really enjoyed this conversation today. Um, uh, really have Bryce. Uh, you, you always, uh, add a, a, a new, shed a different light on, on subjects and, uh, thoughts. And you bring up some very interesting and, uh, valid points regarding, uh, how how human beings are going to deal with this and and how they're going to deal with their workplace environments. And uh, as leaders, it's uh, our job to to try to think through that and uh, to be responsive and sensitive to those needs. And and thank you for your perspective. And uh, (laughs) if you have any of that ice left, I'd sure like to get together with you and uh, have a scotch one of these days with uh, a 4,000-year-old ice. Um, And if not, maybe we need to get over to... uh, back over to Iceland sometime and, uh, and see if we can harvest our own.
2: Uh,
1: but, <laughs> but thank like you for, for the conversation. I, I, I always enjoy our time together and, uh, hopefully we will have more adventures to be going on and talking about in the, in the future. Kevin, uh, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No. Hey, I sure appreciate Bryce taking his time. I know
0: everybody's got a lot of, uh, things happening. Logistically, it's kind of a nightmare, but, uh, We had trouble getting on the damn call today because we thought, uh, you know, just I think a lot of virtual Easter gatherings are taking place. So it looks like they may have the network uh, bogged down a little bit. But like I said, I sure appreciate Bryce's time and yours, Andy. Hope everybody looks forward to it. Andy and I, I think we're going to try and have some uh, people on in some different areas next week. Right, Andy? Maybe with the uh, marijuana space, the casino space, just some of these other places. We may see some governments uh, pivot to uh, increased taxes and things, and just some different ideas and different concepts that uh, are being tossed around out there. So is it, man. It's awesome to hear Bryce's stories. Love hearing all of his world travels and, and everything he has going on. So I know we'll be excited to have Bryce back on uh, here shortly and uh, hear some new, new, new topics of conversation. So appreciate it, you guys both. Thank you.
2: Thank yeah, you, guys. You. Have a great day.
0: Yep, you too. You bye too. Bye-bye.